Adventure Rider Radio's exclusive gearing up segments are all about discovering great gear, ideas, and hacks that may make the difference between calling it quits or continuing on with your ride. And today we're going to be talking about a tool roll, something every rider should have, and the tire repair kit, another necessity as well. We've got tips, tricks, methods, and hacks for proper and easy tire repair for tube type and tubeless. All that coming up. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Before we get started, I want to thank these fine companies that helped get this episode out today. It's wind pressure that powers the MotoBreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear, greenchiliadv.com. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Googletech filters, cyclepump.com. Now, in case you're unfamiliar with the tool roll, it's it's sort of a simple idea. It's usually just a, a piece of fabric with a bunch of pockets in it that you slide your tools into. There's a flap on the top that you flop over top of the tools, and then you just roll it up and store it on your bike. Canoe trippers will recognize it as a utensil roll, but for the canoeist, instead of tools, it holds forks, spoons, and you know other cooking gear. The concept for both of these rolls is to keep things organized. It's easy to store, and it provides a bit of a work area with that top flap as you flip it out. You can sort of set them on the flap as you work. For the tool roll, it keeps our tools out of the dirt. It gives you a place to set your bolt or a valve cap or, or something. And this tool roll provides quite a bit of storage space. It's surprising. Now, you could use a container to hold all your tools, but the container allows the tools to sort of shake around and grind on each other, and it doesn't collapse. The tool roll collapses or expands to accommodate your choice of tools or even things that you might take one time and not take another. And it's once it's rolled up, it's easily stored in a tube somewhere on the bike, which is a common way to store it. Now, if you haven't used a tool roll, you'll find if you start to use it, the more you use it, you'll realize just how handy this thing is, despite its simplicity. You can make one yourself if you want, if you have a heavy-duty sewing machine. They're usually made of canvas or something. Or you could buy a utensil roll that's made for camping. But you can also buy ready-made tool rolls or tool kits for motorcycling. And in this case that we're going to talk about, specifically for bikes, that will have tools in it that are applicable to you and your ride. So for this today, we're looking at Cruise Tools. Now, Cruise Tools has been around for quite a while. It's got a good name in the motorcycle industry. It's a U.S. company, and they've got quite a few options for tool rolls. I'm Paul Gillian from Seattle, Washington, and I'm the CEO of Cruise Tools. Paul, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you. Uh, I should say welcome back. We've had you on a, a number of times over the years for different occasions, but Cruise Tools. Now, um, I thought you were with Touratech. Where does Cruise Tools come in? 
I am also with Touratech, and we have been a loyal customer and big fan of Cruise Tools for, for many years at Touratech USA. Uh, we were one of their biggest dealers. And then about 18 months ago, we had the opportunity to buy it. And uh, for us, it was a bit of a dream come true because we were such big fans of the product and had used it intensively for about a decade. So we we took it over in January of 2019 from the, the founder, um, Dan Parks. So what's Cruise Tools and what makes it so special that you guys wanted it so bad? So Cruise Tools created, they really pioneered the accessory toolkit segment. Uh, they created a toolkit specifically for Harley Davidson motorcycles about 20 years ago, and that sort of created the category. And from there, uh, they just started serving other other markets: um, BMW motorcycles, KTM Triumph, um, and and most recently got into Indian. And and we've been involved in the Japanese metric brands for some time as well. So what what kind of things? I mean, obviously tools, but I know they do tool rolls and and separate tools. Give us a rundown on that. Yeah, so what we what we try to do is give riders everything they need for trailside or roadside repairs and adjustments. So anything to get you out of a jam out there on the road, um, touring, or even if you're out in the woods, dirt biking, we give you the, the things you need to get the bike back running and get it back to the shop. Um, and we keep the pack size small. We keep it light by not including things required for, for normal service, but really just the things you need when you're out there on the trail. And we only give you what your motorcycle needs. So if you're on Japanese metric, we don't include a 13 millimeter because they don't have that. And uh, that's kind of the, the recipe for the success of the brand and the, the company. Mm, so it's repair, as you said, not maintenance. So this isn't a kit that you're going to take and not do anything with, just sort of throw in your bag and take on uh, on a multi-month adventure necessarily. You're going to have to add stuff to that, but it is a kit, your sort of basic repair kit then. Yep. It's just your basic repair kit for when you're out there traveling. And, and by doing it that way, we keep it pretty small. It's about the size of a burrito and about three and a half pounds for our premium kit. And then we have other kits that are smaller and, you know, have price points from, you know, just over a hundred bucks all the way down to around $35 um, for the, the smallest um, kit that's essentially replaces the OE sort of minimal tool kit. Mm, yeah, which which is very, very minimal nowadays, uh, almost to the point of non-existence. As a matter of fact, I don't even know why they include some of the original equipment manufactured uh, uh, toolkits because there's just so little in it. Yeah, there's really um, not much in it anymore. And in some cases, it doesn't exist at all. Some of the brands are still pretty good about giving you some things. But um, even like KTM, they do give you quite a number of tools, but they are very inexpensive, low quality tools. And at Cruise Tools, we always try to do professional grade tools at consumer friendly prices. So they're um, they're really good quality, you know, because we know you're really going to rely on those tools. If you're in a jam in the middle of nowhere, that tool can't fail or, or you're going to be in, in trouble. So we, we make them good quality and try and um, source them in a way where we can keep the prices, you know, consumer friendly so that they really are a good solution for a broader market. What does um, professional quality mean? You know, for, for us, it just means it's something that will last, you know, for the full lifetime. Um, and that's why we're able to offer the the lifetime guarantee, you know, no questions asked so that if that tour, tool ever does fail, we'll replace it uh, on our dime, you know, for the, the life of uh, you, the rider. So we, we really back it up. Um, they're at least, you know, Sears Craftsman Plus sort of in, in quality. That's sort of the target we go for. Right. And what about the other tools that you make? for cruise, the, the ones that would go in your toolbox come on a rail. 
Yeah, we do have some shop tools. The socket bit sets are one that are um, really popular for us. We have metric hex, you know, the standard English um, hex, and then we have the the Torx socket bits, and they come on a rail to keep organized. They're good for using. You can use them with uh, socket ratchets, or you can use them on cordless, you know, um, drills in the shop. They're really good for that, and uh, that's a good tool to have a lifetime warranty because if you're going to break anything, the Torx bits tend to be um, fragile in general. Although ours are pretty darn tough, um, we've upgraded the material they're made out of, and uh, they. They're a, a really reliable tool, but the small size torxes, people um, put those on an impact wrench and they, they can break sometimes. So that's a good one to have a, a lifetime warranty. Beyond that, you know, we do a lot of tire gauges, uh, both the digital and normal analog, um, tool rolls, things of that nature, and a lot of um, axle wrenches and shock spanner, um, tire levers and things like that. Now you mentioned the tool rolls and you said they're bike specific. You sent me a roll here, which is, is quite a, a sweet setup. It includes the tools to do minor repairs on my bike, but it also includes Loctite. Yeah, boy, if there's um, a number one problem I've experienced on, on motorcycles, especially when you pick up a new bike, it's that the fasteners tend to vibrate out. And so um, having Loctite in there gives you the ability, if you catch something coming loose before it falls off the bike, you can put a little Loctite on there and put it back in, torque it in, and it should stay put. So that's the reason we put that in there is to just help you um, get keep those fasteners from completely rattling out once you've, once you've had one loose on the bike. Now, tool roll, I think everybody should have, every, every rider should have one in your tool roll, at least the one you sent for me for BMW motorcycles, there are no tire levers. Yeah, we, we don't include tire levers. Uh, the main reason is that a lot of people already have that. They're pretty universal and they cross between bikes. And if, if there's one thing I've learned about our customer over the years is if they own one motorcycle, they own five. So typically guys have their tire levers and oftentimes they have favorite ones. Uh, some like the Motion Pro aluminum ones with the, the built-in axle wrench on the other end. Some people like long ones. Some guys like short ones. So we, we do include them in our range, but we do not include them in the kit. Uh, we we kind of stay out of the tire care category. There's a lot of people doing a really good job in that space already with plugs and pumps and you know things like that so we really just focus on the bike specific toolkit that gives you all the sizes and all the functionality that you need but while keeping the pack size really small we let other guys do the tire repair so where do you put your tire levers i mean there's not room in here for expansion necessarily i mean i guess i guess you could put stuff in the middle uh, and roll it up but so you just pack that stuff separately or how do you do it yeah, what I do is um, I roll up the toolkit and I slide my tire levers right into the center of the, the rolled up tool roll. And then I have a separate space that has my pump and my plugs and my tubes and all of that stuff. But I do put, um, there's two things I typically add to the toolkit. Uh, one is tire levers. The other one is a valve fishing tool, which is a wiggly little tool that helps you um, fish the valve stem into the, the hole on the rim. I'm not very good at changing tires, but that, that helps me be a little bit more competent <laughs> at it. So, uh, yeah, that's really the only two things that I add in there. And um Depending on what bike I'm riding, I, I, I typically bring uh, tire levers that have an axle wrench built into it that's the right size for the bike. Um, however, some of our kits now come with axle wrenches. The Triumph kit, the KTM kit, the new uh, Road Tech B2 for the 2019 and newer BMWs, that comes with an axle wrench for the F850 GS. And so um, 
if I have that kit, then I wouldn't need to add the, the tire levers with the built-in axle wrench. I would just use standard tire levers. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, I, th- I think everybody should have a toolkit. It's a great way to start and uh, to be able to get your basic tools for repairs. And then if you want to, just add to your toolkit and, and put it in other places. It seems like a, a job well done. Where does someone find Cruise Tools? Uh, Cruise Tools are available in just about every uh, power sports dealership, you know, throughout the U.S. Uh, they're also available at uh, most of the common online sellers, including Amazon.com. So you can really get them just about anywhere. You can just sort of Google cruise tools or, you know, the toolkit for a specific motorcycle, and it'll it'll pop up with a multitude of, of places you can buy it from. You can also buy it from Touratech USA, um, Touratech Stocks, the full range, um, also Revzilla, and uh, JMP Cycles. There's a number of online retailers that carry it. Fantastic, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Paul Gillian from Cruise Tools, and as I also mentioned, from Touratech. Paul is also the president and co-founder of the Backcountry Discovery Routes. That's the nonprofit that maps the off-pavement routes throughout the U.S., incredible routes, all provided for free with with maps and GPS and and much, much more. All that information free from their website. Now, we had Paul on a while ago to talk about the BDR. So we're going to put a link to that episode in the show notes for this episode. So you can listen to that one if you've missed it. And if you'd like the link to Cruise Tools, their website is cruisetools.com. And Cruise is with a Z or a Z. Of course, that link will be in the show notes as always. RoadDogPub.com. That's the website that's going to lead you to some great motorcycle books like Graham Fields, In Search of Greener Grass, Eureka, and Different Natures. Ron Davis has Shiny Side Up, Zoe Cano's Hellbent for Paradise, and other books. And she's got her latest book out is called Mini Escapades Around the British Isles. That's got some motorcycle and scooter adventures in it. Road Dog Publications specializes in motorcycle adventure books. Treat yourself to an adventure, sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and read a great adventure. Visit their website at rodedogpub.com and make sure you mention in there that you heard them at Adventure Rider Radio. Rodedogpub.com. I just saw a note from someone who was wearing their Pearly's possum socks in the heat of the Australian summer. <laughs> now, I can connect with them because I also wear my Pearly's in summertime. I know they are the best cold weather socks for us motorcyclists. They're made specifically for motorcyclists, but they also work in the summer. So winter, summer, doesn't matter. If you're wearing riding boots, wear them. If you're wearing hiking boots, wear them. They're the best outdoor socks I've ever found. And I've been into to all kinds of outdoors things since I was knee high to a grasshopper, so to speak. Pearly's possum socks are made with a blend of possum fur and merino wool. And uh, you've probably heard of merino wool. I'm very familiar with it. But when I was introduced to Pearly's, that blend, wow, super. And uh, and they don't stink. I mean, you can wear them for days and they don't stink. And I think that's amazing that there's a natural lanolin in the possum fur as well. That's supposed to be good for your feet. There's so many bonuses for them. They're well worth the money. The best socks you're probably ever going to buy. 
Pearly's Possum Socks, the official sock of Adventure Rider Radio, not because they have an ad, because I made them that way, because I was so blown away by the product and still am. I, I seriously put these socks on all the time. We're in cold weather right now, and they are my outside socks. The, the different ones I have, I've got the tall ones and the short ones. Fantastic. Anyway, pearlyspossumsocks.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there, you heard them on Adventure Rider Radio. Pearlyspossumsocks.com. I probably don't have to tell you that your foot pegs are a key component in controlling your bike, but they're also important for comfort. Now, two of the largest foot pegs, professionally produced foot pegs that I've ever seen are the IMS products ADV-1 and ADV-2 foot pegs. The ADV-1 and the ADV-2 are designed specifically for adventure riders. They're large platforms that give you extra leverage and control, but as well as comfort for riding any road. The ADV-1 and ADV-2 foot pegs by IMS Products. Check them out at imsproducts.com and make sure anytime you're dealing with them, emailing, phone, whatever, just mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, imsproducts.com. Well, we're going to talk about two things here that are related, well, very related. We're going to talk about the tire repair kit and how to use that. The tire repair kit is probably something you're going to use more than your tool kit because your tires are your connection with the world, sort of. They, they take the beating and all those surfaces that you ride over. They support all your weight. They act as part of your suspension, the bike, you, your gear. It's all on top of your tires. Now, the tire repair kit itself can be somewhat of an enigma. The idea of plugging a tire, the tubeless tire, or worse, patching a tube can be daunting for the uninitiated, so much so that I think many don't even want to attempt it. They just go out and hope that they don't get a flat tire, particularly in a spot where they can't get help easily. But it doesn't need to be that way. The tube repair in particular is definitely more work than a plug on a tubeless tire, but According to David Peterson of Best Rest Products, it can be effective and even permanent when done correctly. Now, David Peterson is the man behind Best Rest Products, and he's probably changed more tires and repaired more tubes than most of us would even want to see or witness. By the way, Best Rest Products, they're our longest running advertiser. David came on the show in the early days when we first started taking advertisers. He said he'd give it a try, which worked great for him. He stayed on and he's never missed an episode. But that isn't the reason that we think of him, that we think of Best Rest when we talk about tires and and tire repair kits. It's because Best Rest and David Peterson is so devoted to tire repair. They have the cycle pump, the cycle pump tire inflator, which we talk about at the show, uh, the start of each show. It's recognized around the world sort of as required equipment for serious riders. But they also, Best Rest, they also specialize in tire repair tools and parts. So we're going to dig deep into the tire repair kit. We're going to talk about the different kits and and how you should prepare it. But then we're also going to talk about how to use those kits, how to actually repair a tire. So sit back and really listen to this. Maybe take some notes. And if you do, you're going to open up a whole new world for yourself. It's incredible how a flat tire can create just such a big problem for you, and particularly in remote areas, or even how more incredible the ability to repair that flat tire can add to your freedom and confidence.
let's just jump right in because tire repairs is something that, I mean, we as motorcyclists, we've got to know how to do. I mean, really, I, mean, I guess you could get away with it if you're stuck to the streets and maybe short jaunts, but eventually, especially if you're going on an adventure and certainly if you're going um, into dirt roads and off-road situations and out-of-the-way places, you're going to likely end up having to repair a tire at one point or another. That's fair, isn't it? That's true. I think there's two things that riders face when they, they head out of uh, the garage and they head off on their journey. One of them is running out of gas, and that's pretty easy to fix. The other one is having a, a tire puncture or tire failure, low tire, you know, a, a nail in the tire, something like that. Those are probably the two big things. You may run into mechanical issues, but uh, that can be solved on a case-by-case basis. But the two big things are fuel and tires. I mean, yeah, because you, you can run into just a simple repair, which I think most of them are. Most of them are just punctures, but then you get into those wild repairs, right, where you end up with a torn tire. Yeah, that's a whole other uh, kettle of fish. And, you know, solving that can be as simple as, uh, you know, using a couple of uh, strings to repair a slightly elongated cut. It may mean putting a vulcanizing patch on the inside of the tubeless tire. It may mean putting a tube inside a, a tubeless tire. Um, it may, in fact, uh, result in having to uh, go into town and, and get a replacement tire. I mean, I've, I've seen the whole spectrum of a simple fix to something where, guess what, this tire's just seen its day. It's time to, to find a replacement and get that thing mounted on the tire and let's get back on the trail. Well, let's start right at the beginning, before we leave, before you head off on your adventure. What should be in our tire repair kit? Well, the first thing you have to do is identify what kind of tires you're running on the bike. If you're running tubeless tires, that's pretty, that's pretty easy. You're going to be using strings to, uh, to make the repair. If you're using tubeless tires, I'm sorry, tube tires, then you're going to have to have all the tools necessary to remove the wheel from the bike and be able to break the bead and take out the tube to make the repair. So you're lucky if you're running tubeless tires. You've got a much harder job ahead of you if you're running uh, tubed tires. So you've identified which, which style of tire you've got on your bike. Uh, and then, of course, you're going to need a method of making the repair. Um, and you're going to need a method of inflation. Um, I'm not a big fan of CO2 cartridges because they give you limited air and you've only got so many bullets in your gun, so to speak. Uh, they're not always effective. So having a, an electric inflator, I think, is very important because you can continually add air to the tire. Um, if you don't get a perfect repair, you can ride 10 miles, add more air. But I guess uh, in answer to your question, you're going to need an inflator. You're going to need a repair kit, and you may need a series of tools to help you make those repairs, get the tire off the wheel, uh, and get get it back on. So three things, inflation, repair, and the necessary tools to complete the process. So let's look at uh, the, the tubeless tires to begin with, which is going to be the simplest fix with a tubeless tire. What do they need to pack? Well, um, as far as a tubeless repair, that's pretty easy. You're going to use either a mushroom plugging kit or some type of a string kit that seals the hole in the tire. Okay, so describe the string. Okay. Well, there's various strings out there. You can go to an auto parts store and buy something fairly cheap, um, but that's exactly what it is, is cheap. Um, often they don't 
vulcanized to the tire. It's simply a case of rubber cement and maybe a, a, a rubber impregnated piece of cloth or cotton string. Not a big fan of that. I've seen too many of those fail. Uh, I'm a strong believer in using a vulcanizing string kit that chemically bonds the string into the carcass of the tire so they become as one. Um, I've seen people use the inexpensive uh, gummy worms, and I've seen too many of those fail uh, to recommend them to anybody. As far as the mushroom plugs, I've seen those used too. And, you know, there's a certain brand name that I won't mention. Um, we used to sell them. Uh, we found the failure rate was too high. Uh, they're lubricated with motor oil to get them through the insertion tool. And so when they're in the tire, you have a rubber plug that's been lubricated with oil. And if you run over a rock at that point, it pops in the tire. The tire goes flat. So when it comes to tubeless repairs, I'm a firm believer that the only repair you want to use is a vulcanizing string repair kit that chemically bonds that string into the tire to make the most effective repair possible. And of course, Best Rest sells a kit that does just that. We have vulcanizing strings and patches in the same kit. So that kit works on both styles of tires, both tubed and tubeless. Now, when you're talking about that plug popping out, I think a lot of people will have had experience with them with vehicles where you put it in, you run the, the vehicle on the street. What's making them pop out of the tire off the motorcycle is especially when you're into some dirt situations. That's right. Um, you run over a, a high rock. It you know pushes on that portion of the tire. And remember, this tire where it's been plugged is maybe three-sixteenths of an inch thick, and you're relying upon the friction of the, the, the tire to hold that, that plug in place. And it simply can't do it. And uh, the thing pops out. It's not held in with glue. It was inserted with oil. And so it's not an effective repair. As far as the other types of strings, the gummy worms, um, the glue that they provide is rubber cement glue. Um, it makes things gooey, but it doesn't ever really set up. We have a, a test tire that we use at the shop for demos. Um, using those types of strings. And after, I don't know, five years, that string is still gooey and gummy. And if I pushed hard enough on it, I could actually push it through the tire. So it's not really bonded to the tire. The kit we sell comes to us from the trucking industry, and they use that kit to, uh, to repair semi-truck tires, you know, 100,000 pounds going down the highway. And those strings, those vulcanizing strings have chemically bonded. They've become part of the tire. And you couldn't pull those out or push them out if you wanted to. So that's, that's my belief that that is the best type of tire repair that you can possibly use. So now for those running tubeless tires, what should they be leaving with? Tubeless, um, where you don't have an inner tube. You'd want an inflator. You'd want a repair kit that will uh, repair that hole. And our kit has four tubeless strings and the insertion tools and the vulcanizing glue. Um, and the typical process would be they identify where the, the nail is. Uh, you pull that out. Um, you ream the hole, as you mentioned, so that you get a big enough hole to put the, the string through. Um, you put the string onto the insertion tool and you, you put the glue on. You push it in until it's inside the tire and, and the tail of the string is out. And then you pull your insertion tool out. By the time you put your gear away um, and get out your inflator, 
that uh, that repair has been done, the vulcanizing process has begun and is almost finished, you inflate the tire, um, you put your helmet on and off you go. So it's pretty quick. Okay, so now for those running with tube type tires? Well, a tube's another animal. Um, so what you have to do is identify where your puncture is. You want to mark it because it's easy to lose that, uh, that point of reference. You would then have to have all the tools on the bike to take the, either the front wheel or the rear wheel off the bike. Generally means putting the bike on the center stand. Uh, in the case of the front, you know, you're going to have to uh, balance the bike so that when you take off the front wheel assembly, the bike doesn't fall forward. Um, if you're doing a rear wheel, you would, uh, you know, have it on the center stand. You would definitely want to uh, use a strap of some sort to connect the uh, center stand to the front wheel so it wouldn't accidentally come off the center stand. And then you would, you know, unbolt the tire, take the whole tire assembly off. If you're riding a BMW, you're, you know, shaft drive, it's pretty easy. But if you're running a chain, you have to move the the wheel forward in the in the on the axle and then pull the chain off and then finally get the wheel assembly off and remove the sprocket so you can get to the uh, you know to the working part of the tire then you have to break the bead uh, breaking the bead means breaking the the chemical and and uh, friction seal between the sidewall of the tire and the metal rim um, that's a process in itself. Um, some people say that they can do it using the side stand or the center stand, but if the bike's on one wheel and center stand, it's probably not something that uh, most people can do. I, I consider it almost an urban myth. Um, people hear about it, they read about it, but they've probably never done it. And, you know, up on top of a mountain or on some lonely trail somewhere, that's not where you want to do the learning curve. So you have to break the bead. Uh, there's various products out there. You know, there's a little plastic wedge that you can try to pound that sidewall off the rim. Um, there's a set of tire irons that work as a wedge. You jam them in there and you try to separate the, the sidewall from the rim. Uh, we make a product called the Tire Iron Bead Breaker, which takes the three tire irons you're going to need for the tire change or the tire removal. And you assemble those with uh, three parts, and now you have a compound bead-breaking device, a lever, that easily breaks the bead. And then you use the tire irons to spoon the, the uh, tire off the rim so you can pull the tube out. Um, and it's a pretty cool tool. I mean, yeah, I invented it, but uh, even if I didn't, I'd carry one because it works so well. So once you've broken your bead in whatever method you use, um, then you have to literally spoon that tire off the rim. And a lot of people struggle with that because they don't understand what's necessary. And the thing that's necessary is, number one, lubrication. You have to lubricate the rubber so it will slide off the metal rim. And number two, you have to literally move the tire carcass into the wheel well of the rim. Now, the rim is kind of a concave thing, but you have to crush the wheel. I, uh, I lay the tire on the ground. You know, I put one of our tire changing mats down. I lay the tire down. You know, there's no air in it. So with the weight of my knees, I actually compress the sidewall so that it, it becomes almost flat. 
And by doing that, by, by moving the tire towards the top or away from me, I now have working room on the other side of the rim. If you don't do that, um, you physically cannot get that tire sidewall off on the, the far side because of the way they've made this, this tire to fit onto this rim. You know, it's, it's difficult to explain in words. On our website, we have a, a YouTube channel that shows this whole process. And a video is worth a million words. And once you see it, ah, the light comes on. But lubrication and moving that rubber tire into the well of the metal rim so that you have working room uh, as you lean across the tire and you're using your irons to spoon this rubber off the rim. So once we've got that done, we've, we've got the, the tube out and now we're going to have to find that leak. The other thing I was just going to throw in there, David, was um, I, everyone should realize this, that before you try this in the field, do it at home first, you know, make sure, because that's the only way you're going to make sure you have all the proper tools. And when you do it at home, don't work from your workbench, work from your, your toolkit off your bike. Just use everything that's on the bike and make sure that you're doing it just as you would when you're in the field. Oh, absolutely, Jim. Um, if you go to your tool chest, uh, you, you're cheating because that's not going to be there when you're in the field. If you can't do a complete tire change just with what you're carrying on the bike, then uh, you really need to be calling uh, AAA and have them tow the bike. Um, you can't cheat in the field. Now, maybe your buddy's got the tool, but don't count on that. But let me back up for a moment. <clears throat> we've, we've spooned off one side of this, this tire. Um, we don't have to take both sides off. All we have to do is reach inside and grab that tube and then pull it out in the space between the metal rim and the tire itself. And then we're going to look for that hole in the, the tube that the nail, you know, uh, did. But when you're looking at, at tube punctures, you don't just look for one hole. Often there's more than one. And if there's a nail in the tire, it goes through the, the tire carcass itself. It goes through the tube once, and then often it goes through the tube twice as it pushes through the airspace and pushes into the other side of the tube that's up against the metal rim. Uh, I've learned this lesson painfully myself. You know, I found one hole. I made the repair. I patched it, put everything back together, you know, put the tire back onto the rim, and then when I went to inflate it, I wasn't getting any air. It's because there was more than one hole. So it's very important when you're doing a tube repair that you you look for more than one uh, for more than one hole in the tube. What a lot of guys will do is instead of making a, a repair of the tube, they carry a spare tube, and they they take their new tube and they put it on, and then at night at camp, they'll make the repair on that tube. You know, sitting around a campfire. But when, you're do, when you do make this repair to the tube, um, once again, you want to use the best quality repair that you can. Um, something that you buy down at the auto parts store it might work for a golf cart, but when you're, you're relying upon that tube for your safety on a two-wheeled motorcycle, you want the best you can possibly get. And even simply, like, like you'd mentioned, the time, um, it's happened to me as well. I'm sure it's happened to most people. You make a repair, you get it all done, and then you find out, especially you go a couple kilometers down the road and the thing's going down again. It really drags you down. And of course, it's usually on a Sunday night when it's starting to get dark and it's beginning to rain and you should have been home already. That's right. Um, and understand that a, a tubeless repair using strings is a 10-minute process, which includes the time to fill the tire. 
uh, a tube repair, uh, if you can do it in 45 minutes, you're doing pretty good. You know, you've had to take the the wheel off the bike. You've had to spoon the, or you'd had to break the bead. You had to spoon one side of the tire off. You had to pull the tube out. You had to make the repair, and then you spoon it back on. And the trouble with the tube repair is that it's called a pinch flat. Um, often when people are spooning the, the rubber tire back onto the rim, because of the way they manipulate the tire irons, they'll end up pinching the, the tube inside the tire with the tip of the iron. And so you have to start all over again. And one trick to preventing that is as you're using those tire irons to spoon that, that tire back onto the rim, don't go more than about 90 or 100 degrees vertical. If you go over the top, what happens is the, the spoon rotates around the rim. It catches the rubber of the tube underneath the tip of the iron, and that's where you get the pinch. So keep in mind as you're using these irons, you don't go too far. Uh, 90 to 100 degrees, and then use another tire iron to help it go a little bit further. But don't over-rotate those tire irons. That's a very good tip. And what about putting a little bit of air in the tube to, uh, to get it to hold its position better? Well, that's one other tip that I use. Once I get the tube repaired and I get it back, stuffed back inside the tire, and before I spoon the tire back on the rim, I'll actually inflate that tube um, so that it, it actually you know, starts to balloon out. Um, and what that does is it uh, two things. Number one is it helps get the tube into proper position. Um, it takes out any wrinkles or folds that might have occurred as you were pulling the tube out. And if you prevent wrinkles or folds in the, in the tube, you'll prevent uh, getting a hot spot, which leads to a failure of the tube at that point. So I've partially inflated this tube, um, and then I take out the valve core and I let it go flat. And then I start spooning the tire back on um, using uh, uh, plenty of lube. Uh, so that uh, the rubber of the tire uh, will slip easily onto the metal of the rim. So before we get to inflating and seating the bead, let's talk about that tube repair for a second. Can you give some tips on, on doing a proper tube repair so you don't have to do it again just down the road? Sure. Um, okay, we have a hole in the, in the tube and we've identified there's only one hole. Um, you need to scuff the tube. Um, there's a tool in our kit uh, called the scuffer stitcher tool. Uh, there's one out of it that's got a little rasp on it. And what you have to do is you have to scuff this tube to remove any traces of tire molding compound, any dirt. And you got to get it, it roughed up pretty good um, as though you were hitting it with sandpaper. And you, you do it in a, at about a two-inch uh, diameter. You've got about a two-inch patch. You want to make it bigger than the patch itself. So you're scuffing this thing, you're rubbing it, and you're, you're making it rough. Kind of like if you were going to paint gloss enamel, you would have to scuff that up real well so that the paint would stick to it. And it's the same uh, principle for this repair. I lay the tube over my knee because that's a good working surface. And then I use this little tool and I go back and forth and back and forth. And the longer and more patient you are about that, the better chances you are of getting a good, uh, good repair using a patch. And then once you've done the scuffing uh, larger than the size of the patch, you'd peel off the protective uh, cover on your patch. 
you'd take uh, a dab of glue about the size of your thumbnail and you'd spread it on there and spread it out evenly with your, you know, your finger. Uh, you'd wait and watch as this glue dried. It's called flashing. It goes from a shiny appearance to kind of a dull appearance. Once that's happened and you don't have any shiny spots, then you lay the patch right in the middle of where your hole is. And then you have to use that stitching tool, which is really nothing more than a roller. And you start from the middle and you start working out from the center of that patch in a sunburst pattern. And what that's doing is it's pushing out any air bubbles or any air pockets between the patch and the tube itself. And once you've done a starburst pattern, then you go all the way around and you make sure that all the edges are down nice and, and tight. And when you've seen this done, or when you've done it yourself, it's the thing of beauty. I mean, everything looks good. This patch is on there and uh, gives you a lot of confidence when you see that repair being done using uh, that vulcanizing repair. Just to be clear, you're putting your contact cement on the tube. That's correct. You, you put it on the tube and a dollop of it about the size of your thumbnail. Of course, we got different size thumbnails out there in the listening world. Smaller than the size of a small grape. Um, and then you have to spread it out, spread it out evenly. And this is, think of this stuff as contact cement, but it also has a dual purpose in that it, it's, uh, it's part one of a two-part vulcanizing or chemical vulcanizing process. When that patch goes down, it's going to start to dissolve the rubber of the tube. It's going to start to dissolve the, the rubber on the, back, or on the front side of the patch. And when these things two go together, the process starts and they chemically become uh, as one. And uh, once you see it or once you've seen the video, you'll understand what, what that's about. Okay, so at that point, do you recommend that people inflate the tube to check for leaks before they end up putting it together? Right, and that's one of the processes of once you've got it inside the tire, um, you partially inflate it to get all the kinks out. So you, you put in maybe five pounds, and then you're, you see that the tube is, is not kinked. You can listen to hear if there's any air that's coming out, and it'll be pretty evident at that point whether or not you have a leak. Um, I wouldn't inflate it unless the tube was inside the tire, because I'm going to have to repeat the process once it's inside that again. So visual inspection of the tube to make sure there's only one hole. Um, and you'll know whether your patch is on properly. You can see where the edges of the, of the patch feather down onto the, the tube body. And uh, if you've done that, um, you're not going to have to worry about air coming out of that patch. It's a good permanent repair. The patch is sort of thick in the middle and then thins down to a wafer edge. So it's almost like doing a, a bodywork repair where it's smooths into the other surface. That's exactly right. You know, David, a lot of people mention WD-40. How do you feel about that for a lube? Well, um, once again, it's a, it's a petrochemical product and it's, you know, not necessarily the best thing for the rubber of your tires. Um, I wouldn't typically use it. Um, because I don't think it's, uh, it's something that the, the tire manufacturer would say is, is good for their rubber. Um, the other th and it is a penetrant, so it will go down between the, the rubber of the tire and the rim. If that's what you have to use, then, and that's all you have, then by all means use it. Um, the one thing about WD-40 is that it never dries. It, it remains, you know, it may dry off to some degree, but in the, the crevice between the tire and the rim, it's still wet. And uh, 
you know, one thing we don't want to have is to have the the tire slipping on the rim itself. Um, one of the advantages of a, of a dedicated tire mounting product like Bead Goop is it's really slippery when it's wet, but when it dries, it becomes tacky or sticky. And so that locks the tire to the rim itself. Um, and that's a good thing because you don't want it to spin. You know, on, uh, on trail bikes like my KTM, we have rim locks. And one of the reasons for the rim locks is to prevent the tire from spinning on the rim. And if it were to spin on the rim, since I'm using tubes, it would actually tear the, the uh, valve stem off of the tube. And, of course, you'd have a flat. Um, uh, so, you know, not allowing the, the tire to spin is a pretty big thing. You got a lot of power on these bikes. You hit the throttle hard. Uh, that tire spins. Maybe not a big deal on a, on a tubeless tire, but certainly on a tube tire, uh, there could be sadness on the trail. I want to talk about the mat because that's something you didn't mention and I know you use it. Right. We, it's a very simple product. It's called the tire changing mat. It's a three foot by three foot piece of uh, Cordura uh, waterproof on one side and fabric on the other. It's got some tie down loops on, uh, on all four corners. And then it's got a, a bundling strap, a Velcro strap that ties it into a bundle. It's actually designed to hold our tire iron bead breaker or other tools um, so when I get out and I'm going to do a repair or, you know, do a tire change, I, I roll this thing out. It's, it's my work bench on a dirty surface. Uh, do the, all the repairs right there on that tire changing mat. It keeps uh, dirt and, and sand and stuff from getting into the wheel bearings. Um, it also keeps uh, me from losing my tools in the tall grass. Um, the other advantage of that tire changing mat is that uh, I can use it as the uh, uh, a tablecloth on a picnic table. Uh, when I'm camping, I, I actually lay it out on the ground in front of my tent. It becomes my doormat. So it serves multi-purposes. I like that. <laughs> Multi-purpose use. That's what you got to have for it. And if you didn't have that, I mean, even a tarp will suffice. The big thing is, of course, is having that clean work area, like you said, because you're pulling your wheel apart, your bearings are going to be exposed, and there's a good chance of getting dirt in there or, or losing something. And the other thing is you don't want to get uh, sand or dirt or grit between the the sidewall of the tire and the metal rim because as, as we're going to be talking about uh, popping that bead in place if you've got crud in there it's going to prevent that that rubber from moving into place and and therefore you're not going to be able to seat that bead as far as seating beads go um, if the the tire sidewalls are properly lubricated and the rim is properly lubricated in my experience, they will pop into place at 25 pounds. Sometimes it takes more, but uh, in practical experience, and you'll see it on the video, uh, at 25 pounds or less, you hear that that satisfying ping, ping, as those sidewalls pop into place on a tubeless tire. Um, this only applies really for tubeless tires. In the case of a tube, uh, you don't have that locking rim, so you inflate the tube you know, to the recommended pressure and off you go. But in the case of a, a, a tubeless tire, this tire sidewall on both sides has to fit into place. And if it doesn't, then you're going to have problems. Uh, you know, the tire is not seated on the rim properly. It could come off the rim uh, into the center and, and you'd lose pressure instantly. Um, but before we get to talking about seating the beads, we have to also talk about setting the beads. There's a different seat or set. When I say set, 
um, I'm talking about getting the tire sidewall up against the metal of the rim so that you can begin building pressure. Any inflator on the market, including ours, doesn't produce enough pressure quickly enough to blow those sidewalls out to, to start the initial uh, inflation. And when you've, you've spooned off uh, a tubeless tire and you put it back on the rim, if you look at the way it sits on the tire, or the, the tire sits into the rim, it's really not making contact all the way around. So if you slowly add 10 to 15 pounds, you can do that all day long and it's not making contact. You have to mechanically move those sidewalls out against the, the rim and then you can start building pressure. And once you build enough pressure, you get the satisfying ping-ping of the sidewalls getting into place. Um, a couple of ways to do that. Um, some people try to use large CO2 canisters, and that may work, but you have one shot. Um, we came up with a solution. Uh, well, really what you want is you want a high-pressure air tank and a lot of air to blow those sidewalls out. So I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, um, I've got one good tire. I've got one tire that's not in contact. How about if I turn that remaining good tire into a high-pressure air tank? So what we do is we overinflate the good tire to about 50 pounds using our cycle pump. And then we connect the, the dead tire to the good tire with a product called the donor hose. And it's a pretty simple piece of five-foot air hose with air chucks on both ends. So I connect the air chuck to the dead tire. I go over to the good tire. I connect to the good tire. Now I have a 50-pound air tank that most of the time, 90% of the time, it'll provide enough pressure quickly enough over a long enough period of time that it will cause those sidewalls on that dead tire to spread outward and you start to build pressure. And once you get that started, then you can take the donor hose off and you can finish filling that tire and popping those beads in place using your cycle pump. It works really well. Um, we showed it on the videos. I've used it in the field a number of times. It is not 100% uh, foolproof uh, because sometimes that tire is just stubborn and it's got a, a kink or a twist in it. Uh, I ran into that down in, uh, in Mariposa a few weeks ago at the Horizons Rally, um, my own fault. Um, but we eventually, uh, you know, played with it a little bit and we got the thing to work. So you can't get discouraged if plan A doesn't work, you go to plan B. So what is plan B? You have to mechanically spread those sidewalls against the, the metal rim. So a ratchet strap, you put a strap around the tire. Um, you start cranking on that strap and hopefully by doing that, as you ratchet, the sidewalls go outward. And that may work, but we found that typical ratchet straps cause the tire to compress underneath that ratchet. And so you get an uneven spread of the, of the tire sidewalls and you haven't gotten anywhere. And we looked at what that problem was. We realized it was friction. It was a friction of the strap against the rubber of the tire. So one, one night the light came on and I said, well, what if we put a strap inside a strap? And so that's what we did. And that's how we developed a product called the bead setter. It's a ratchet strap with a strap that's surrounded by a piece of tubular webbing. And when you put that around the tire and you start ratcheting, all of a sudden you have a constricting device that works all the way around the tire without any friction spots. And as you ratchet the lever, the entire tire spreads outward 
Any other field tips for seeding the bead? Uh, make sure that it's clean, that you don't have grit or stuff between the rubber and the rim. Make sure that you really well lubricated uh, the sidewall of the tire at the bead and on the metal. Uh, you don't just do one, you have to do both. And if you don't get the thing to pop into place, uh, you, you know, you've got a, you've got air in the tire, but it's not popping. Then disconnect your pump, uh, take that tire and bounce it on the ground. You know, roll it around a couple of times, bounce it, pick it up over your head, you know, bounce it on the ground. And that jarring motion will often cause that bead to pop into place. Um, you know, some tires go on very easily. I've had really good luck with TKC-80s. Um, the Heidenaus are a, a stiff and stubborn tire, but they'll pop into place too. It just depends on the circumstance. But uh, keep working at it and uh, don't give up. Your alternative is either a, a long walk into town or, you know, call in the wrecker to come out and help you. You work on this long enough and, you know, if you get stuck at one point, you step back and think about it for a second and have a sip of water and, a, you know, a granola bar and then you come at it again. So uh, being stubborn is helpful when it comes to changing tires. But if you're running into a problem, you have to ask yourself, why is this problem here and how do I solve it? Brute force is not the answer. It's about technique. And David, you mentioned it before about doing, you know, the best job you can the first time. That's so important to, to take your time, do it right the first time, because the more times you do it, you just run into more problems. That's right. And the other thing, I got to tell a story on myself. Um, I, I change a lot of tires. I've got like five different motorcycles and I do all my own stuff and I use the bead breaker and, and my own tools on the bike, even here in the shop when I have a full chest. But I was doing a tire change and I was working along and I must have been distracted and I got everything mounted. I got the tire done. I got it inflated. I got the beads popped in place. And then I went to put away my bead breaker, which has three tire irons, one tire iron, two tire irons. Where did that third tire iron go? I looked on the bench. I looked on the floor. I looked in my pockets and then the light came on. <laughs> I picked up this tire and shook it. And sure enough, I was like the surgeon that left a retractor inside the patient. <laughs> I was going to say that. That's one of those stories you hear, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Okay. So um, I had to start over. So I broke the bead. I took out the tire iron. Promised I'd never tell anybody that story, but it's just, it's just too good not to share. That was David Peterson from Best Rest Products, and the website for Best Rest Products is cyclepump.com. And of course, that link is in our show notes. Hey, I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Well, 
about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and of course, you. Thank you very much for being a part of this. If you're not doing it already, there's one other thing you can do. This show is built on a model of advertising and listener support. We need your listener support. AdventureRiderRadio.com is the website. You just click on support. We'll send stickers to you for anything $10 or more. Anything $50 or more, we give you a shout out on bra. And don't just think that everybody else is doing it, you know, because that's not the case. It's amazing. The show is is heard by many, many, many thousands of people every single week. But there's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of them that actually support the show. I would really appreciate it if you would become one of those people who support the show. You just think about what you're spending on, on a, a cup of coffee and what you get from that. And think about, did you did you enjoy the show? Did you get some value from this today? And if you did... We would really enjoy your support. There's one other thing you can do too. If you if you know of anybody else you think might benefit or enjoy the show, I'd love it if you'd share it. Put it on social media and, and share it to somebody else. Tell a buddy, tell a friend, uh, a cousin, a sister, a brother. Tell somebody else about the show. We would appreciate that as well. Anyway, my name is Jim Martin. It's time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. I will talk to you next week. Hi, this is Charlie Borman, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs>